This time on Matters, Pronouns, and my name is Dolomite. All this and more on this exciting episode of Matters. His name is Matt, his name is Matt, and that's all that matters. Yeah! Welcome to Matters, where two guys named Matt talk about what matters to you. I'm Matt Noss. With me at the table is Matt Rose, my best friend in the whole wide world. How you doing, Matty? I'm doing fine. How are you, Matt? I'm well. Uh, we we had to erase a couple attempts at that uh, <laughs> opening. Well, yeah, I think that you were thinking maybe you could squeak by with, welcome to Matters. Right, and I can't. <laughs> and I just, I just looked at you, and I, I like tried to not laugh, but I couldn't. No, and then you, you were just like, "Let's try that again." <laughs> your eyes said WNBC. <laughs> Very important that you get the call letters right. WNBC. <laughs> I love that scene because it's just him saying the same thing every time, and Paul Giamatti like, "No, you are not listening." <laughs> right. I would, uh, I, w- I have liked Stern for a while. I've liked Howard Stern for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard someone like that older WNBC stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of it is not great. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see because he had that book that came out either. Private parts? Or? No, he just had a book come out about his interviews. because. Oh. Since he moved to Sirius, he's changed a ton. How so? He His tone has softened. His interviewing style isn't as brash as it once was. Okay. Like in the book, he talks about how much he regrets his interview with Robin Williams. Um, he had an interview with Robin Williams back on, you know, when he was in New York morning mm. uh, DJ and it was like peak stern mm-hmm. and he was like i was so selfish and i didn't give one of the funniest people in the world the chance to be funny on my show i thought i had to protect my show and get what people wanted from the howard stern show so mm-hmm. he like asked him about his affair with oh, you know no. like and all this stuff and it really shut robin williams down yeah i bet and he never did the show again. again. I, I don't think he ever did the show again. I might be wrong. But uh, Stern says that's like one of his greatest regrets, oh, wow. especially now, is that he was so selfish and trying to make him the the top and whoever was coming in less important than he was. Hmm. And he actually... Re- and I was like, wow, I would never have expected howard stern to say that mm-hmm. because the king it, of all media the king yeah. of all media the <laughs> the guy who uh made more oj jo- jokes per second than <laughs> but it was like well if howard stern can grow up but no i mean I, yeah it only took him until he was in what in his 60s <laughs> well i think like when he moved to sirius and he didn't have to in the same way, have the ratings? Yeah, no, I was thinking I was thinking when you were talking about how he softened his tone, I was thinking, well, I wonder if it's cause he, it was because he no longer had to work about, like, worry about advertisers and, like, getting the most... Yeah. Like, you know, you don't have to be so controversial when you are on a service that has guaranteed listeners. Right, like, he still is the number one reason people renew their SiriusXM. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you can't just get, like, if you're trying to get the cheapest Sirius XM package, it will not have Howard Stern. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, Howard Stern is truly a 3 to $4 perk. Oh, wow. Like, I let my Sirius XM subscription lapse, and I listen to them maybe, like, maybe I listen to Sirius XM, honestly, like, 15 whole minutes a month, you know? Yeah, unless I, I, I will listen to... Once they got rid of Rocky Ramon's Punk Rock Blitzkrieg, I just, I was like, you know what? I'm only keeping you for emergencies. And, and like, they wanted to charge me, and I guess I have to say that my opinions are my own, but they wanted to charge me an exorbitant amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I never do this, but I called in and I was like, I need to cancel Mm-hmm. And I got a better deal. Yeah, that's the that is the primary way you get the better deal. Yeah, because people don't, I think, remember that it's set to auto renew. Right. No, I knew that it was set to auto renew, and I knew how much it was, and also because of um, once again my thoughts being my own, um, they're a company that our company owns. Right. I. Right. Right. I do keep it active mm-hmm. um, because that's kind of like part and parcel. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to keep it active. I keep my OnStar active. I keep my OnStar active too, just because that is something that w- when you need it and you don't have it is right. <laughs> like you are up shit creek. And, and that's not the time to figure out your account status. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not the time to be like, hold on, let me get out my credit card. Like, Right, exactly. You know, so I... I definitely have that for emergencies, but the uh, the serious I have, I think five stations programmed. Yeah, because they got rid of most of the stations that I liked. I used to have on like my other cars, like fifteen or twenty. I used to have all of them programmed, and I don't anymore because they got rid of my favorite stations. And it's like, well, fuck you guys, man. <laughs> well, that's the hard part, right? It is that in this age of too much media, your options like. From my standpoint, in my car, I have CarPlay, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, I bring my podcasts. I listen to my podcasts. I listen to Spotify. Yep. So truly, it is right when I turn my, on my car that I'm going to hear the radio. Yeah, and if it's not something that's like, oh man, I got to hear this, it's probably going to get overridden in a second. Yeah, I on the way to work and from work, I listen to NPR. I listen to the news, but when things get to be too angrifying for me, I will put on um, a podcast or I will put on music uh, yeah. because sometimes it's like, all right, look, I need to take a mental health half hour and just not listen to the shit show that is everywhere on earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, uh, that's what I do, man. It was fun um, to listen to i listen to uh, conan o'brien needs a friend yes yes you have you have talked about uh this podcast and i i understand it's just kind of what we're there's too much media there is there is so much media but you and i both have a very soft spot for conan o'brien right well he had tina fey this week as a guest and it's great. Last, last week, he had David Letterman. This week, he has Tina Fey. Yeah. Jesus. Well, it's the number one podcast in the country, like, by a lot. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Conan has the number one podcast? Yeah. Holy shit. Conan. Take that, Joe Rogan. Take that, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> that, Joe Rogan. 
Uh, yeah, I, like it's it's millions of downloads. Holy and, shit! Well, he doesn't need my downloads. <laughs> but um, in this episode, there's the there's an introduction to a word that Conan has had for a very long time uh, called chipple. Chipple. C h i p p l e. Chipple. Because for a long time, Smigel was his head writer. Yes. And he's like, Smigel's a genius, but producers hate him. Oh, I bet they do. Because he's uncompromising, and he won't let it go, and he will make you cry. So people will come to me, would come to me, and they would be like, Robert's a genius, and we all respect and enjoy the work that he does, but I'm going to kill that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, multiple people would come up to him, and they'd always have this huge preface of, like, He's great. He's so funny. He does great stuff. I'm going to stick a shiv in his eyeball. <laughs> so he just made an office mandate to just say the word chipple. And chipple would be all of that, that pre- stuff. <laughs> so then it just would become chipple. Chipple. We're all going to kill. <laughs> we're all going to kill Smigel. Uh, oh, God. That is so funny. And I'm like... What a gift to give, like, you know, because if you're not from the East Coast where it's kind of, you're all on top of each other and you kind of have that already built into you to be like, hey, fucker. Yeah, yeah. Like the Midwest nice, the Minnesota mom, mm-hmm. the, the you can't, you can't say something sour without saying something sweet, <laughs> you know, like. So I was listening to a coworker, my thoughts are my own, uh, the other day, and this coworker is the worst kind of Gen Xer or or baby boomer or whatever, where their small subset of that generation is the totality of it. And if anyone disagrees, then they're from another generation or they're this or they're that. And it's like, let me introduce you to the one true Scotsman argument. But (laughs) I love the one true Scotsman. argument. Um, So every time someone finds something this person says offensive, it is, oh, well, they're from they're they're a millennial and they're always offended. Or that's just the way my generation talks. And it'll be like, no, no, it's not. We are a part of the same generation and I do not talk like you. My friends don't talk like you. You do not represent me. Please do not speak for me. (laughs) Please stop assuming that uh, you are speaking for me. Yeah, but then the rational part of my brain goes, just don't say anything. We got to leave by 345. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to. I'm just going to turn my chair around, put my headphones on, even though I'm not listening to music, to tell everyone else, go fuck yourselves. Isn't I'm that, working. Isn't that the best? Yeah. Just strap on some headphones and be like, ah, point to them, make that face like, I am sorry. I, uh, I, I, I got work to do. Dude. I am on a call-ish. I don't know how to. I can see that the... The red button is not active on your phone. Um, um, but I'm but I'm waiting for a call. All I know is <laughs> you run out of room. <laughs> no, that's where I just collapse and pretend I'm dead. You're not there to call me on it. 
So I can sit there for hours. <laughs> Someone pokes me with a pencil. <laughs> Chippled that bitch be crazy. <laughs> um, I was while you were talking, I had something enter my head, and it's, <laughs> while you were talking, I wasn't listening to you. I mean, I pu- I put our conversation on cruise control <laughs> just so my brain could start coming up with what to talk about next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, as you can tell, totally worked. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking about that generational thing that I I know that I'm 42. Like, I know you're 42 as well because I am six months older than you. And so. I work on, on my floor. And again, my thoughts are my own. I work on a floor where there is younger people mm-hmm. because it's kind of like um, a... Not an entry level, but for lack of a better term, let's just call it an entry level position. Um, that not your position, the positions that are on that floor. Correct, correct. So there's kind of like very tenured people, mm-hmm. and then a lot of young people, and it's like, oh wow, yeah, um, boy. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm not gonna lie and say that there are not differences between millennials and Generation X. Because there are differences between Generation X and baby boomers. Yeah, absolutely. You know. There's a um, difference between 1974 Gen Xer and, and 1977 Gen Xer. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I get that. And I am I am not saying that there are not differences, but to sit there and paint everybody with such a broad brush. Yeah. Uh, nope. No, no, no. Don't do that. And I am... I'm finding that I have to defend millennials so much. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes the differences between the generations are like, I I don't get it. But also, you know, what am I, the emperor? It's not for me to get. I'm not the the police on, you know... (laughs) On whatever, you know, on pronouns, you know, I'm... Whatever, right. But the... The thing oh. where all the blame is getting laid on millennials, like they're the problem. And it's like, well, a lot of these things are the symptom. They're not the problem. <laughs> well, there's also some very interesting things that happen that have happened to me after I had Rosemary. Mm-hmm. Like um, I, I watched a TikTok video where a person was upset because their mom, their non-binary mm-hmm. but their mom was still using the language of um, you're my he, girl she, yeah, yeah 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 and she's like do better mom and i respect the non-binariness but there mm-hmm. is also a part of me that goes it's very difficult i think for people and some people might be way better at it than i am that if they come out of your body with the gender assignment that we would call female, mm-hmm. to not think of you as female, uh, yeah, I, I you know. I'm well, trying. To, I mean, it, it's it. I I get where you're coming from, and it's like, look, if you want to be called, you know, the the, the pronouns for um for male, for female, for neutral. neutral, you know, that's that's fine. But to to pres, I mean, I know that a lot of people presume. Uh, well, actually, no. A lot of people assume that whatever the pronoun is that they choose is the correct one. But it's a really difficult 
you know, I think that's I, I, I think that's the whole thing where it's just like kind of both sides need to take it easy. Was all I was kind of coming away from. Yeah, that I moment. mean, you, the the people that want to be called a different pronoun pronoun than you know uh, he or she or whatever, the people that are not doing it to fuck with you and call you he, I don't care. I'm calling you he. Fuck those people. Okay, <laughs> but the people that are making an effort but sometimes get it wrong, cut them a little slack because and I never... it is it is hard sometimes for people who have gone their whole lives using those pronouns to just immediately change. Yeah, you got to cut them a little slack. And the the few trans people that I know, and I do not know a lot of trans people, and they have always been more understanding with with it when it's not in a malicious context when it's not like when it's like i'm sorry i meant yeah you know like i think they i I mean i can't speak for them i'm not trans but i would imagine that they would appreciate that you corrected yourself and apologized over just steamrolling over it but yeah well you know i i'm not them so i can't really speak for them well like i have been in a situation where i have known somebody that went through the transition and I've accidentally went like, no problem, man. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the, the thing is that a lot of times I use man and dude in a gender neutral way. Even though I those will, words are not. Yeah. Gender, even even gender though they're neutral. not gender neutral, I use it. Well, it's just like, you know, northerners say guys to mean mixed company, you know, like, hey, guys. And it's a room full of men and women. You know, and, and I know that there are some regions of the country that do not appreciate that at all. Right. <laughs> like the South. Well, it was, you know. I, I read this in the free press that it's the number one way to not get a good tip is to go up to a table of women and say, hey guys, how are we doing tonight? Oh, really? Yep. Oh, wow. Very yeah. interesting. And also makes perfect sense. Exactly. Yet at the same time, culturally, we've come to accept it. Yeah. And I think that's something that does need to be challenged because it is a... I mean, it's easy for me to say, guys, dude, hey, mm-hmm. man, <laughs> especially since I forget nearly everybody's name. Oh, I am terrible <laughs> with names. But what I and I have uh, I mean, because I know that some some regions and some groups think that it's rude to say guys. Mm-hmm. I have made a concerted effort to say, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Or, is. or uh, you know, something like that. And I know that uh, because a lot of my coworkers are in the South. Um, there's a lot of y'all mm-hmm. and I am not necessarily going to say y'all a lot cause I feel inauthentic saying y'all, but I might say some other neutral phrase like everybody, because right. you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to get a, a specific gender out of everybody. Yeah. To finish, to finish my thought on, on like if, if Rosemary, in the future, would be like, I'm gender neutral mm-hmm. or I'm non-binary. Yeah. Which I think is probably the more apt name. And, and Yeah, it, I think gender neutral refers to the pronoun and not the person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so if if Rosemary was like, I'm I'm non-binary. Non-binary. non-binary, it would be difficult. I'm just owning that that would be a difficult thing for me. Not to get over, but like to get the the pronouns right and stuff because number one i think to understand it because it isn't something that 
I would be open hearted about it. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it would still be like, oh, okay. And it wouldn't be like, a, I wouldn't want it to be a shame thing. It would just be a, I want to understand thing. Yeah, I think it would be more of an I understand thing. And, and I mean, that makes sense to me, and I think it makes sense to you, but I think to the person that wants to be understood that way, mm-hmm. that might be seen as kind of a challenge, even though it's not meant as a challenge. And so I think that the that kind of stuff has to be approached very carefully. You know, because like I have I have friends who are gay and and you know and gay and then like pansexual and stuff and i don't (laughs) to be perfectly honest i don't really know what a lot of the things are yeah and it's like some of the people are like dude you can just ask whatever question you want i know you i know that you're not a jerk go ahead but other people it's like i don't i don't really know yeah i I, instructor yeah 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 yeah. like you know look it's you have google called fucking urban dictionary like you know I, i i get it and I get that you probably get asked rude questions all the time, and that's why you're like, don't ask me. But at the same time, to some extent, to your friends and to people who are honest and not malicious, maybe cut them a little slack, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's more of a because I want to honor it, mm-hmm. and, at the, uh, and at the same time, there is that parental take care of your child thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like where where's the right balance? At some point, you're raising your kids to not need you. Yeah, you know, like that. That I mean, kind of- <laughs> to be honest, because I don't have kids. Sometimes, like when I when I see stories about like people choking on a peanut and stuff and like dying in their own homes, all I can think about is like, oh, you should have raised a kid to take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> God, I had an actual thought that I was going to share, and then that <laughs> peanut thing came up. And totally, totally messed with it. I'm sure I'll think about it later when we're having a discussion about something completely unrelated. Oh man, give me, give me a second. I'll think it. I'll think it. You I'll, th- th- I'll think. I'll think it, Matt. I'll think it. Hey, Maddie, you think it all you I'll, like. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just don't want to be a weird dad. <laughs> you know, like if. Oh, I remembered. I remembered what I was gonna say. Thank you, Maddie. You know, I can't. I can't speak to people who are gay or or in the LGBTQ community. But I can speak from someone who is in another community, and that is, like, people with mental health issues. So when people don't lump me in with, like, school shooters and shit, where it's like, yes, I have, I have you know, mental health stuff that I need to take care of, but I take care of it, and then people ask honest questions and they're not jerks about it, I will answer every question that yeah. I am able to answer because I want to educate people and I want to make sure that they, A, aren't afraid of me and B, won't be so afraid of other people if they find out that they also have these problems. Yeah. So I know that it's not the same and that when people hear like, oh, yeah, he's got bipolar disorder. Well, ew, gross. Whereas gay people from a lot of straight people get that kind of thing and it's like well okay there's a different stigma to mine than yours but mine generally doesn't get me like beat up in a bar bathroom right well, i mean sometimes <laughs> sometimes it does but for me to be like oh yeah just just answer all their questions you know uh, that's that's for me that's 
That's you know, I understand that, yeah, not everybody's going to have that opinion and not everybody's going to have that temperament. But just for me, I can't exactly understand, but I can kind of in the same ballpark understand. Yeah. You have a you have a parallel. How close that parallel is is, is up to the person on the other side who's like, it's not close at all or it's actually fairly close. You know, it yeah. really depends on the person. And it depends on if they also have mental illness. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be the parent who says, I'm not going to honor that request. I really can't imagine. You know, and, and if that is what this person's parents were doing, like, no, I refuse to acknowledge that. So I'm going to continue to call you my baby girl. Yeah, the, I can definitely understand where the the hackles get raised, where then, yeah, then the I can understand. And that's the thing with like a five second TikTok video. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to get. Yeah, you're not going to get the whole story. You're not going to get the, the right. background. This that. this nuanced conversation about gender and, yeah. and, and pronouns, like it's it's just not going to happen in a in the same format that people are dancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like people are dancing to creepy skeleton. Oh God! If I never hear that song again, it'll be too soon because I I have gone to visit. Our friend Jeremy and his son. They they had they have like Alexas around the house. Yeah. And his son would be like, Alexa, play something something skeleton. I forget what the actual name is. And then it would start playing and it would be like how many more times am I gonna have to hear? This? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Alexa, play it again. No, Alexa, Alexa, don't play it again. <laughs> Alexa, erase it from your memory. Alexa, play Rain and Blood. Alexa, keep it on repeat. One song. <laughs> Alexa, don't turn it off until you hear the code word. <laughs> I think that's a good place to take a sweet little break. Sweet. Uh, we'll be back with more matters. After this. You've reached the part of the show where we talk about what we're into right now. I think I've got a couple things lined up. Let's hear it. Letter Kenny is back. Sweet. I am caught up. Well, I'm not caught up because I haven't watched the episodes from this season, but I was caught up as of Sunday. Yeah. So there's seven, I want to say seven new episodes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So looking forward to kind of going through them a little bit slower. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because like when when there's when there's forty some episodes ahead of you, you're like, oh, I can just keep just keep, keep plowing through, through these. It. Yeah, and now it's just like I'm gonna watch one. Exactly. So <laughs> I watched one, and I almost need to watch it again because it was like layered. There was a lot in the episode. There's a lot of fun stuff. 
happening cool, in, cool, the, cool. in the episode. So I'm looking forward to... Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Letterkenny. Uh, what is this, season seven? Yeah, Holy season smoke. seven is crazy. Yeah. Um, Chris Peterson loves Letterkenny. Really? Loves it, loves it, loves it. He's all about Letterkenny. I mean, PJ loves it. I, I, I My friend Taylor loves it. Uh, Christy loves it. Like, I, I don't know many people who have watched it that aren't like, that show's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, I would see the language might be the biggest turnoff. Yeah. Because uh, they do swear a ton, but that has never bothered me. That has never bothered me as well. Yeah, the people that I have pointed towards it are generally people that do not say like, clutch their pearls and say, oh my, when oh. when someone drops a C-bomb or a right, exactly. F-bomb. But I mean, at, uh, at Jay's birthday... I was telling Jay and Janice, like, you guys should really watch that show. It's hilarious. And they're like, yeah, we have a lot of stuff in the queue. And it's like, oh, I tell that to people all the time. I know what that means. Jay, I know you're listening. Watch it. <laughs> it's really good. It, really is very, like it. it is very, very funny. It's on Hulu. I recommend it. I Though do too. It is, I think, a fairly regional humor where I think that if you are not from the upper Midwest, a lot of the jokes might not hit. I think you can fall in love with the characters, though. I think you can, but I think that the percentage of jokes that hit will be a little lower, just because you can't identify so much with the characters. Yeah, there is a lot of regional stuff. There's a lot of hockey stuff. Yeah, that's that's specifically what I'm referring to is the the hockey stuff. Though, if you are from a, a, a like a hockey city, it's a little different. Well, it reminds me of a very very polished Jay and Silent Bob type humor. You know, like. There's a there's like a kinship where like can, that's very can, Jersey can, and very regional to yeah where they're from and, and can, kind of the language that uh, Jason Muse created yeah 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 but boy it's it's such a wonderful show there I was, think it's funny there was something else oh on uh, PBS the uh, country music documentary oh the Ken Burns country Ken, yeah Ken yeah. Burns Ken, uh, country music I still like Cocaine and Rhinestones better the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I like it better simply because um, they'll spend a whole hour and a half on one story. Oh. Uh, so, like, you'll get the story of the Oki from Muskogee. Oh. And that, like, that song wasn't written to be the right-wing anthem that it's come to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, did all the research. And he's like, Okies were, when the Dust Bowl hit... They moved to California and they lived in Hooverville, so they were the lowest of the low yeah. in terms of social class. And the native Californians, to make fun of them, would call them Okies. Mm-hmm. So that means that if you were in Muskogee, Oklahoma, you weren't really an Okie. Mm-hmm. So it was like a play on that. And then like that we don't smoke weed in, <laughs> in Muskogee. Mm-hmm. Um, was said by the guy who was smoking weed in the in the tour bus, <laughs> and then like the whole that you know we are law abiding citizens, but we also drink white you know lightning yeah like there's a whole bunch of stuff in from what Merle Haggard said about the song before it became this super hit was all that it was like no it's just to point out the failings of people who are like that kind of mm-hmm. the one true. 
Scotsman. Scotsman argument, like, we're we're the heart and soul of America. I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. Mm-hmm. And it's like, eh. you're missing the point. <laughs> but the but then he points out, like, but then the song becomes a hit and it's not really yours anymore. Yeah. That's a, and people can take whatever meaning that they want from the song, even if it's not your meaning. And you want to make money and you want the song to be successful. So you keep your mouth shut. Yeah, and uh, to that point, um, I want to bring up something that I don't want to say that I'm into because I'm still processing it, but I saw Joker last week. Yes. And a lot of people before the movie even came out were talking about how dangerous the movie was and how it was going to like incite incels to violence and stuff. And I saw it. And I think that's rubbish for one, because they're they're sitting there talking about how the Joker, you know, how they'll be able to identify with a Joker. And it's like fucking bullshit. They will like I mean, they themselves might see themselves as Joker, but they could see themselves as any fucking character in any movie or TV show or book or whatever in in Joker. He is a person whose society has completely failed from the people closest to him to the people far removed from him. He is a person with profound mental illness. He is a person whose own mother has lied to him and failed to him, failed him his entire life. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> but the movie, I don't think in any way, celebrates him, but it does show him in a humane way where he's a person who does engage in terrible, brutal violence. Yes. But he is also a person that did not necessarily choose all, you know, I mean, you can't choose the things that happen to you in life. It is how you deal with it. And he dealt with it in a way that guess what? He's a fucking villain. He's a super villain. You know, when people come up with lists of like the top supervillains, Joker is always in the top five, man. You know, were were you expecting him to like come out of the womb with a chainsaw and like kill everybody in the room like it's alive? You know, I don't know what you guys were expecting, but it shows the Joker in a much more realistic way than, you know, what I think you would have gotten had jared leto been joker you know and and joaquin phoenix knocks it out of the park he's fantastic as as joker i thought the movie was a good movie but the movie is much more a uh, a sibling to a movie like taxi driver or uh or what was it the king of comedy the oh yeah uh then then it would be Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, or Suicide Squad. Like, this is a completely different kind of movie. And while, yes, it takes place in Gotham City, and yes, it does have Arkham Asylum, and it's got Joker, and it's got the Wayne family, I struggle to say that this is a comic book movie. Yeah. It's a movie that has the DC logo. But when they started the movie, they did not start it with the typical DC intro where you get like 
you've got Superman flying and you've got Batman throwing a battering and then, you know, Wonder Woman with the lasso. Like it, it doesn't have that intro like the Marvel Marvel movies have. It doesn't have that. It just goes right into it. And the other DC movies don't do that for good reason. But this one is so far removed from that. I it is a profoundly upsetting movie to me, but it is it is because you're watching the creation of a supervillain and you have to kind of step back a little bit and say he didn't choose all these things. Some right. of these things were, were Some kind of, of these things were his environment. Yeah. A lot of these things were his environment and then budget cuts to mental health facilities and you know, all these things like it was, pretty realistic i mean i'm not gonna say it was realistic but it was a realistic approach to an unrealistic situation okay. and character that's fair did you see the saturday night live parody oh uh Grouch. i did i did not i i heard that it was really funny but i didn't see it okay because i saw that and i was like i bet this is even funnier if you saw joker you probably um, but I, I did I did see a bunch of memes and then um like I think it was like a BuzzFeed article like the fortiest funniest the fortiest the forty funniest Joker memes. Um and then a couple of them were like, if you don't see the movie, you don't get it. And then one, once I saw some of them, I was I was like, Oh, now I get it. He came out of the fridge, right? <laughs> but I I thought it was really good. I thought the people that call it like vacuous and hollow are, I, I don't know what movie they saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, did they say the same thing about Taxi Driver? Maybe they did. But Taxi Driver routinely gets four stars when when you look at reviews. You know, and I think it, I think Taxi Driver is a hard watch too. I don't think that's an easy movie to watch. No, definitely not. But I'm not saying that Joker is an easy watch either. Right. Requiem for a Dream is not an easy watch, no. but I think that it's a fantastic movie. It's an easy watch for me, baby. It's not. I watched <laughs> it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've unfortunately probably seen that movie more than most. I think I've seen it like. At least six times. Oh, my God. Why were you watching it with other people? So the first time I saw it was in the theater with Janice. Yes. Were you there? No, I wasn't. Okay. Because I watched it with you. I don't know how Janice and I were the ones who saw that together. But it was one of those things where we both... I mean, it was the director. Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've got to see what he's doing. Yeah, because he had he had done Pi previous to that. And we all, we all really liked Pi. So we went together and we watched it and we both left like, I don't even know if we talked about it. Yo, you probably drove in silence because like, how do you not after that movie? (laughs) Well, there is a point in that movie that is like this weird demarcation point of like, if you turn it off here. You can pretend that everything's okay. <laughs> like, and it's not. It's clearly before, not. Before the mom gets hooked on the pills, I guess. I, I guess it's like right before um, Marlon Wayans gets beat up for the money. Oh, okay. It's like when the drug trade is going great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're not using, they're not. Oh, but then they start, they start. Then, if you missed that point, mm-hmm. 
there's another point where it's like, it's not good. Yeah, but no one's losing limbs. But, right, exactly. <laughs> but if you make it to the point where Ellen Bernstein oh, God. is in her moo-moo, basically, yeah. with her hair... All over the place. All yeah, over the all place. Nick Nolte'd and and it, she's in that office crying, and it, it, you're doomed. Because oh, now you you're are gonna, doomed. Now you are going to watch the rest of the film, and it is just soul crushing. It is circling the drain. It is like every bad thing is coming to one point. Yeah, and I think and it's that all think going that, down. I think that Aronofsky excels at being able to keep you circling around the drain like that. Like, did you ever see The Wrestler? I saw half of The Wrestler. Okay, don't. I didn't see the back half. Because you learned your lesson from Requiem for a Dream. Same thing with uh, Black Swan. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you learned learned your lesson. I'm proud of you, man. I learned the Aronofsky twist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but those movies, like, I... It's. Uh, I, I watched this thing. I think it was uh, lessons from a screenplay that talked about how a lot of movies aren't actually three act; they're five act. Hmm. Um, and and it actually went over like how you can you can subdivide into five instead of three, and it was it was really interesting. And you're leaving at that middle point. Yeah. And that's a good idea. Because then you don't go home and hide under a pile of blankets and cry for five hours. <laughs> Whereas with Requiem for a Dream, I think that we sat there in silence yes. for a good 15 minutes. Well, and I like one of us would go like and like put our hand up to say something and then just put it down and then sit in silence for another minute. I have never talked to him about this. And I may have mentioned this on the show before. My friend Venos that I went, yes. went through Second City... I remember Venus. Venus. He was a DJ, right? Yeah, he was a DJ at um, uh, 105.9 when it was like a straight rap station. Okay. And um, he was dating a stripper. And he, we, Bob Marquis, Venus, and I were at my house. And for some reason, we put in Requiem for a Dream. And I think I was like... I don't think you're going to like this movie, Venus. I don't think you're going to like this because I knew he was dating a stripper. stripper. And I'm like, I'm doing a lot of the mental gymnastics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 well, you're doing the mental calculus. Like, by the time it gets to this point, I think he's really going to take issues with this. <laughs> he, he might have that feeling like, why the fuck are you showing me this? Yeah. You know that I'm dating a stripper. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that strippers are drugged out or anything like that. Yeah. Even though th- this girl. I've yeah. It's it's that the character in this was. And I mean, yeah. So it finishes. And again, dead quiet. Yeah. Because also it, the way that it ends, where it's just uh, Coney Island, mm-hmm. the, the long pier, and it's just beach sounds. Yeah. It's like dead quiet. Mm-hmm. It's so eerily quiet and just seagulls. Yeah, because it doesn't end with um, Lux Eterna from Kronos Quartet. It's just beach sounds, it's right? Just the beach sounds. Yeah. And and that runs pretty much the whole credits. Yeah. And then um, I think Vino says, I don't like that. <laughs> and then I think maybe a week later they were broken up. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Oh, poor Beatles. And then he went on a juice cleanse, found God, moved to Texas, and uh, yeah, he's down there. Well, as long as he's doing well, I guess. And he's a DJ down in Texas. Oh, well. Okay. I love that dude. I haven't talked to him forever. I, I remember liking Venus when he was at your parties. Oh, God, he's he, he, he left at my jokes. I thought he was cool. <laughs> he's the funniest. <laughs> Maddie, we're so close to the Dolomite Eddie Murphy movie coming oh, out. Oh, my God. I'm so I excited. Cannot wait. I, I, I watched a, uh, a thing about uh, Dolomite a couple weeks ago, and... It was like a, I don't want to say it was a making of, but it like, it kind of went over Rudy Ray Moore's life and like his sad end where I didn't, I didn't know some of the stuff about his, about like the way that he, that he died and stuff. And it was really sad, but, uh, he died of cancer or, um, he died of complications from something, but later in his life, a woman who claimed to be his daughter had him come live with her in Ohio away from all his friends and the rest of his like close people and like isolated him. It was, it, it was, it was sad. Like I, like they had a couple pictures of him like later in his life and you look terrible. He looked terrible. Um, and I think, I think he had like diabetes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but like to learn some of the stuff about how Rudy Ray Moore got to live in this hotel yes where it was like what uh he got to live i think it was called the dunbar where in order to keep squatters out of this hotel they let him have the run of this hotel yes so he lived there but it didn't have electricity or running water so he would have to like shower elsewhere and he kind of pirated electricity. Uh, but that is where they ended up shooting most of Dolomite in and around the theater. Uh, and so there were points during the shooting of the movie where they would have um, the tripod for the camera and it would sink into the floor yes. because the floorboards were rotten. Uh, or the re- one of the reasons why you see boom mics so often at the top is because the ceilings were too low in the hotel, so they couldn't they couldn't capture the sound for the scene and not have the boom mic showing. Uh, but also, p- part of it is because all the transfers for Dolomite were four by three, but the movie was shot sixteen by nine. So someone actually was able to get a hold of the, the the master and cut it 16 by 9 and release it on DVD or Blu-ray or something. Uh, but it was not originally shot that way. Uh, and so when you watch the 16 by 9, you do not see the boom mics as much. Uh, but the, the people who did it kept a 4 by 3 uh, as part of that set. And they called it the boom mic edition. (laughs) So one of the things they talk about is that Rudy used the sales of his records to finance Dolomite. And everybody in his neighborhood, everybody that knew him was like, Rudy, what what are you doing? And he was like, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. And they all thought he was nuts and that he was pissing his money away. And to an extent, they were not wrong. Um, Under normal circumstances, everything that they're, they're t- everything about that movie shouldn't work. Nothing should work. But 
it is greater than the sum of its parts. And they, like, it was critically panned. Oh, yeah. Because it's just not a well-made movie. But they played at a couple theaters in LA and it killed. And then word of mouth spread and it they played at a couple more theaters and it killed. But major theaters were not going to carry like, this movie. It's kind of like how The Room did later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, and so apparently, I think it was like Labor Day 76 or something, it played at a major theater in Chicago, this big theater, and it fucking sold it out the whole weekend. Like, it, that movie is a hugely successful independent movie, and Rudy Ray financed that himself, and when it got to the end um, of production and they couldn't finish, he went out on tour and he made more money to finish the movie. So there are scenes where Queen Bee, um, who I think was Carol Spees, she starts crying for no reason. She was having a nervous breakdown <laughs> because they were filming for like 23 hours that day. They, There were people that at just random points during the day were out having a cry in the parking lot because almost no one knew what they were doing. They weren't getting usable footage or people kept messing up their lines. It was a disaster. Somehow. But somehow they pulled everything together and made that movie. And once uh, they actually um, like shopped it to other places and no one would do it. Uh, And they like they took it to AIP and AIP was like, nah, we'll pass. And then once the like heads of the studio found out that Rudy Ray Moore had brought Dolomite to AIP and they passed, they fired the guy who passed on it because that movie made like a hundred times what it cost. I actually, God, no, it made more than that. Like the movie cost probably 60, 60 to a hundred thousand dollars to make. Okay. And the movie made millions. And that's that's just in the theatrical run, not including home video and all that stuff. So I I can't wait to see My Name is Dolomite because that shit looks fucking sweet. And I can't wait to see Rudy actually get the credit that he deserves. Yeah. Because like... Well, there's another part where Eddie Murphy is talking about like, he knew he wasn't the funniest. Mm-hmm. He knew he wasn't the best looking. He knew that this whole thing was falling apart, mm-hmm. but he also knew that if he kind of feel the dreams did, like if he did it and got it out there, someone was the yeah. market was devoid. There wasn't anything like this, yeah, at all. Nothing. Yeah, there are two parts in the movie that a lot of people laugh at when they see it. Because the cuts are so bad. But it turns out the cuts are bad because the MPA made him cut those parts out. Uh, where one of them is a sex scene. And one of them is the fight at the end where he rips out the heart of Willie Green. Yes. Those scenes were filmed. There, There is actually some like, I don't want to say behind the scenes stuff. But there, there are like photos and like some archival footage 
They filmed it. I always was like, what happened? Yeah. The MPAA made them cut it so that it avoided an X. And unfortunately, uh, at the time, Rudy was living in the Dunbar Hotel and he had all the negatives and uh, he got evicted because they wanted to turn the Dunbar into an actual like high-end hotel again. And they evicted him and he did not have the means to come get his stuff. So they threw the negatives out. So there is no way we will ever actually know what happened when he ripped Willie Green's heart out or I don't know, whatever that prostitute's name was that he had sex with. I love this. I'm on IMDb. And the first thing is the script called for a quote unquote penny hustler, but Rudy Ray Moore and Jerry Jones were unable to find a suitable actor through Moore's acquaintances. Oh, so they went to a street corner and they found creeper. (laughs) Absolutely. 1000%. Yeah. They, they literally pulled up and they were like, Hey you. And he was like, what? And they're like, you want to be in a movie? They pulled over. Jones got out and talked to the man. <laughs> and Vanius Rackstraw was hired as the creeper. Yeah, the hamburger hammer, pimp. Hamburger pimp. And the reason he was not originally called hamburger pimp, but they called him that because apparently he was he would try to scam hamburgers from uh, cr- like not the craft services, but the the like food table. <laughs> it's the best movie. All right. Oh man, if you have not seen Dolomite, you are missing out. Because it is the heartbeat of this show. It is. It's the heartbeat of most of our jokes. So. All right. Well, you can get in contact with uh, me at Metnos on Twitter. I am at Crowdy Dracula um, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, God, I can't wait for my name is Dolomite. I neither can I, man. I think in two weeks it'll be out. Oh my God, it's gonna come out like around Halloween. Yes, Sweet. unless it's November. I might be wrong. It might be November. No, 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 no. It was October. I thought it was October. 21st. So it might be. Oh, so that's yeah. That's that's like a week. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not long. No, no. I'm shit. All right. Well, we'll catch you on the next episode of Matters. Matters. The Strange. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. It was a good try. It was a a solid try. try.